interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello, humans. It's Rob with Not A Robot Podcast here with a special episode of our Pride Podcast. Today we have a special guest with us, writer Chris Files, author of Fanny Galactic, Tuck to the Future, and the soon-to-be-released Crime and Disorder, along as many more. And he is here today to discuss with us all about his new book, as well as Fanny Galactic and the comics industry in general. Now, before we get started, if you've got something to say to us, send an email to notarobotcomics at gmail.com. You can get us on Twitter too at Not a Robot Comics, and if you want your mail read on the show, just let us know. We've got a great group of humans, many of whom identify as a member of the LGBTQ community, and we are from all over the Not a Robot Podcast Network. My name is Rob, he him, and I identify as bisexual, and you can find me on Twitter at Rob underscore two eight one four. With me today we have Holly. Hello. And Caitlin. Hi. Now, Chris, would you mind telling us a bit about yourself and where you came from? Yeah, certainly. Um, thanks for having me on the show. My name is Chris. I'm a writer from Dublin in Ireland. I'm originally from the UK, but I moved over to, to Dublin quite, quite some time ago. Um, my first book that I've released was Fanny Galactic, Tuck to the Future. And that came out on Kickstarter last year and just recently um, released the follow-up book on Kickstarter, which also funded uh, and I'm getting ready to uh, get that printed at the moment and then officially launch it at Thought Bubble, the convention in, in the UK next month. Very nice. Yeah, it's exciting to that the, you have an, a follow-up book coming out. I've, you've seen a bit of it, and it looks awesome. All of us here are big fans of the, the first Fanny Galactic. It was really well-written, I find. The art was really nice. I'm super excited to check out the follow-up. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So, yeah. Um, now, oops, sorry. <laughs> uh, so, my first question for you is: What brought you into comics? What brought me into comics? Well, I've been reading comics since I was really, really young. Now, I'll be honest with you; it's tended to be um, kind of the, the British comics, like 2000 AD and things like that. Although I, I dabbled in in things like Batman and stuff in the 90s, and Why the Last Man and Preacher and a few things like that. But, but typically, I've been reading like 2000 AD since I was a kid, and I've always wanted to do something like that. Um, I came up with an idea a few years ago of having my own kind of LGBTQ last version of 2000 AD that I was going to do. And I had this idea for the Fanny Galactic story. And that's really what I was originally planning to do. Just have this very ambitious idea of, of kind of hiring a few other people to, to work on some stories. And then as I started working on it, I kind of figured this is actually going to cost me a fortune. I think I'll just concentrate on uh, getting Fanny Galactic done and then and see where that takes me. Fair enough, yeah. Now, that being said, where did the idea for Fanny Galactic come from? Well... If there was any real-world experiences. Yeah, it was. It's a, it's a funny story. I was in a, a local gay bar um, a couple of years ago, a good few years ago, actually, because the story idea I came up with quite some time ago, and I was watching a drag act, and it was a drag act that I'd seen many, many times. I was kind of not really into it that day, I think, because okay. I just happened to be in, in the pub with some friends, and... I was kind of my mind was wandering and I just noticed that the, the, the drag queen had a wind machine that I, I noticed it seemed better days. Oh. <laughs> and I, my mind started wondering what would happen if that wind machine blew up? And I just kind of thought, <laughs> <laughs> wind machine blew up, what would happen? And I just, just the idea of this drag queen being transported to the future, like Buck Rogers in Buck Rogers in the 21st century came oh, into yeah. my head. And then as I started thinking about that, I started thinking, well, 
who would have, you know, would that have been an accident or would that have been sabotage? And then, well, I thought, of course it was sabotage. It would have been another drag queen that had done that. (laughs) (laughs) A jealous drag queen. And then the idea just spiraled. It really just came to me very, very quickly. The idea of the drag queen going into the future came to me really quickly. I had no idea what was going to happen when they went to the future at all. Um, That came to me later. Uh, But the original idea was there for some time. And I just started writing it and it just flowed. So... Uh, that's pretty awesome. That such a, a real world connection. I, d- I honestly did not expect that. And even with the fan and everything, that's that's awesome. <laughs> do do you find? Sorry. Do you find often as a writer that your mind tends to to wander in in unexpected places like that? Yes, very much so. Every idea that I come up with. I mean, I've only written. I, you know, these two are the only books I've written and I've published. But whenever I'm writing any other stories, it's exactly like that. They just come to me and it's some silly idea and it just spirals. I think the way I look at it is I think the idea is always, always there in your head and something sparks it. Basically, something sparks the idea and the story was always there, I think. And it's just you get something that helps you to kind of start to uncover it and to, to pull it out. Um, it's weird. The fan, you know, once I started writing, writing it, even the future bit, it just, once I started getting it on paper, it just flowed out of my head. It was like it was there all along. It just needed something to get it out. <laughs> Push it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it seemed very character-driven. Um, like, Thanks. all of your characters seemed to be so uh, personal. Like, um, it, it's like everybody has a friend um, that's that's like, you know, Fanny Galactic. Um mm-hmm in one form or another uh but but then there are these little nuances that uh make it seem so personal too um did did you base any of these characters off of people in in your life loosely or anything or just personalities not really i mean no i I didn't really It's, it's just i i think i think there's a bit of me in the new book in the character violet actually there's a little bit of me in that Definitely. Um, okay. As I was writing that, I went into some kind of, there's a few things in that book that are quite personal to me. Some of the things that that character says, you wouldn't have got to that bit in, in, in the clip or in, in the bit that I've given you. Generally, I've been around drag queens for quite some time. Uh, when I moved to Dublin, I got involved in this competition called Alternative Miss Island. It was a um, thing where it was like a, a beauty pageant that anyone could enter. So it kind of attracted a lot of drag queens and drag kings and, and various other people. And I basically started, I, I just, I was, working with someone as a volunteer in this thing called the Irish Queer Archives, which is just where a load of material about gay and queer life in, in Ireland has been, was put. This was like 20 years ago. Yeah. And I just got really interested when I started seeing about this alternative Miss Island and I volunteered for it and he ended up building the website for them. So I wasn't like involved in, in, in you know, in the, in the actual day-to-day running of it, but I came, became exposed to so many drag acts and various different people that I think some of those have probably made it into the book subconsciously um, but as I say, none of them are directly based on anyone. The characters just came out of my head. It's really weird. Fanny, Fanny came out of my head right away. Uh, she was just a kind of, you know, I'd seen these drag queens when I was kind of growing up or when I've been to drag, drag bars in Britain in places like Brighton and kind of small seaside towns. And like, they were all very much kind of saucy, kind of, um, I don't know, you know, like kind of slightly naughty, slightly, slightly crude, um, drag queens and I kind of based her on one of those and really her and Sybil or the one were the only ones that were really fully formed I knew mm-hmm. that Sybil was going to be this arch drag queen and she's she's more based on 
characters from Dallas and Dynasty and soap operas, to be honest. She's much more uh, like, like one of those. And she's based herself on those characters. That's mm -hmm. why she's, you know, she's supposed to be like those. And um, so I definitely think that she has come from, Sybil has come from soap operas, American soap operas. And Fanny has come from like drag queens that I've seen growing up. The others just kind of <laughs> just evolved as I wrote them. Actually, Violet and Sally, they weren't supposed to have much of a part in the story. Their part grew. There were still oh. uh, in the future. She had two other um, kind of hench, hench people. One, um, basically, Sally was a completely different character in the future. But as I was writing it, I just realized, oh, it's obviously supposed to be her in that room. You know, it's supposed to be Sally. It never was when I was first writing it. Um, so two characters got cut from it um, and replaced with Sally and Violet. You, you probably might not have noticed Violet, the, the other one of the characters that was with. Fanny in the pub in the first um, in the first part of the story. She's in the book all the way through, but you don't. She's in the background, and when you read the new book, you'll you'll see um, how how she becomes the way she is in the in the first book. So. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I got I got to go back and, and check that. I don't think I noticed Violet. I think when you read, I think when you read the full version of the second one and then go mm -hmm. back and read the first, it's going to answer quite a few kind of questions about various bits and pieces without giving too much away. <laughs> yeah, so when we had discussed um, Fanny Galactic mm. earlier, I um, I think all of us were intrigued by Sally, certainly, and mm. her tattoos and, and, you know, wanted to know more about her. So yeah. the, the little bit that we have to look at of crime and disorder, and I'm looking forward to the whole thing, I think all of us have, have backed it on Kickstarter, so we'll, we've got a copies coming our way. Really but yeah, to see this, it looks like some of the questions that we had after reading the first book are going to be answered in this one. I think so, exciting. yeah. I think so. Now, there's, there, there, I have to be honest, there's not a huge amount of Sally in the new one. So she is in it. So <laughs> I decided she was a little in it a little bit more. And then after listening to feedback, after listening to various people talking about the book, I decided that I want to give her more space. I want to, In the same way that this story is more about Violet and Sybil, I want mm -hmm. to give Sally her own story. Um, in the sequel, oh, in the sequel, Twenty Thousand Woods Under the Sea, she's in it a lot more. She's she's a much bigger character in that, so I'm really looking forward to that. But the new one, it, it starts to explain a little bit about when you read it, you'll, you'll you'll probably work out how she becomes like she is. But it's kind of I decided to to spread it out and kind of you know introduce their, a little bit more about their characters bit by bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's fine by us. More comic books to read. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. I started writing uh, uh, a short spin-off because what I'm planning on doing is I wanted there to be three or four main Fanny Galactic books. So there's Tuck to the Future, then there was going to be 20,000 Woods Under the Sea, which is the sequel, and then there was going to be a, a kind of final main one, which is going to be kind of set in another time period. I won't spoil it now. But as I started writing those, I kind of figured I wouldn't mind writing some shorter stories in between them. So that's how Time and Sword became like came to be I wanted to kind of fill in some of the blanks and and, and take out some of this stuff was supposed to go into 20,000 Woods Under the Sea and I just felt oh it deserves a story of its own and I want to do the same thing with Sally after 20,000 Woods Under the Sea there'll be a Sally story that explores her and it's really like I, I'm laughing when I'm writing it I'm really pleased with it it's really silly it's really really silly and it's really good fun and she just causes absolute mayhem <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that one good we are too yeah yeah <laughs> Now, for fans of Tuck to the Future, I, I know Crime and Disorder is not officially completely out yet, but is there any timeline you could give us on 20,000 Wigs Under the Sea? 
20,000 words under the sea, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I, I was going to jump straight into it and start writing it. And I just felt I needed a little bit of a break because I started writing. Like when I started writing Crime and Disorder, it was part of 20,000 Boots Under the Sea. It was a, you know, it was, and as I started writing 20,000 Boots Under the Sea, that's when I realized, oh, this is a separate story. And I cut it out and, re- you know, and, and fleshed it out. And then I kind of thought, you know, maybe I just need a little bit of a break just to kind of gather my thoughts. And I'm taking both books to Thought Bubble, the, the convention in Leeds next month. And I kind of wouldn't mind just getting a bit of feedback from people and seeing what people like and what they don't like. I don't want it to lead where the story's going too much, but it would just be, you know, nice just to get a bit of, get a bit of feedback before I, I launch into the next one. I'm also not sure if I'm going to do the next one as a book or if I'm going to do it as, you know, maybe two, two shorter ones and release it like that. It's, it's all, it's, it's all a bit up in the air at the moment, but I have the plot. The plot is written and big chunks of it are written, but it's just, it's just, sitting down and writing it and, and 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 doing it it's ambitious it's it's longer than both it's longer than touch the future so um it's kind of budget as well finding the budget <laughs> Fair enough. hey you've mentioned a lot about conventions I, i'm just curious myself what's your convention scene like is it mostly local stuff or you i know covid still yeah interrupts a lot of flights but how's your international scene I, I don't know to be honest. I've never really been to any. I mean, because I'm so new to doing this. Um, Dublin has something called. Um, they do something in Dublin, but it hasn't been running for the last two years because of COVID, and I haven't been to it. There's smaller conventions that run here. There's a thing called Octagon that runs in October, which is a sci-fi convention, um, and there's a big comics representation in that. That's really it for Ireland, as far as I'm aware. Um, in the UK, there's a few bits and pieces. As I say, I'm, I'm so new to it, and I, I had never intended to go to conventions. I felt quite uncomfortable doing that i felt uncomfortable doing podcasts or any publicity yeah. or anything around it or it's only once i started getting into it i started enjoying it um so as i say it's all new to me i'm not completely sure but i want to um i want to start going to them and finding out more thought bubble's huge it's it's the biggest one in the country and it takes place in november and there'll be all kinds of people at that one it's it's going to be massive um i'm, I'm really looking forward to that kind of <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, it can be a, a new experience. Can be a little daunting. Yeah, I did a small one in. There's someone who's tried to start this new one in Bristol in the UK, and it's like a LGBTQ plus um, comic arts festival. It was really good. It's quite small, but it's the first time they tried to do it, and I have this feeling it's going to grow and grow and grow every year. So that was my first experience, and it was a nice introduction to it because there wasn't too many people at it, and I got to kind of meet meet a few people and I've got to meet the artist of the book and the designer of Fanning Galactic as you know the book which is the first time I've actually met them in person okay. this is really 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 right. exciting so it's all been done online and telephone conversations and you know whatsapp and, and stuff like that so. that's pretty awesome I, I've been behind a booth at some conventions I, I can agree with these smaller conventions are the best way to start yeah I think so I'm, I am a little bit nervous about doing a big one I don't really you know, it's the thought of sitting on a table for two days and talking to people. It's a lot, um, mm. you know, and, and I kind of, I am a little bit nervous about doing that, but I think, and I'm sharing a table with someone I've never met as well. So it's all, <laughs> all quite nervous, I'll, yeah. just, I'll give it a try and see if I, you know, and, and see, I think it's, I think it's worthwhile doing it. It's just wracking. So. Yeah. Now, aside from comics, uh, something I'm curious about, what does LGBTQ plus mean to you? What does it mean to me? That's an interesting question. I mean, it's part of my identity. It's a big part of my identity. A lot of stuff, you know, to me, I don't know how to answer that. Um, 
I don't know how to answer it. Could you narrow it down a bit? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, does does it have uh, a specific meaning to you? Are you a, a member of the community or? Oh, or yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a gay man, basically. So, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so I've been involved in various things in the community for years. Um, as I say, there was the alternative asylum that I was involved in. I ran a, a queer website for, for Dublin called Queer ID. It was called. It was a social network. And it had, this was between 2003 and 2013. So we had thousands of people using it every day. Um, people, you know, there's been marriages that came from it because people oh, met on wow. it. We ran, local, we ran kind of groups and events and um, kind of launched a, a, a company off the back of it designing websites. And we ended up doing loads of websites for the LGBTQ plus community. And we did most of the websites for all the community groups, bars and clubs in Dublin at one point. Um, so it's something that's that's a really, really important part of my life. It's not just that the fact that I'm part of the community, but it's also I like to kind of be involved in the community as well. Yeah, building that community for so many that, you know, usually statistically don't have it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there, there needs to be. It's those seeds that you planted, you know, that have, mm. that have made, you know, such a difference over the last, I'm, I'm sure that you've seen a huge difference over the last 20 years. Oh God, yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah, it's been a massive difference over the last 20 years. It's like, there's some worrying signs at the moment over here. Yeah. Oh. Um, there's some worrying signs. There's this group that's formed called the LGB Alliance, they're called. Uh, oh. They are just uh, awful. <laughs> they are not a real LGBTQ group i mean they, they, they quite deliberately left the t out the lgb oh, i see and they've done that deliberately because they feel that there's no place for transgender people in our community and i just think it's awful it's like they, to me i don't understand where they're coming from uh, because without the t we wouldn't have the community it's like you know stonewall and the fact that you know transgender people have been involved in the gay with the queer rights movement from the beginning and it's just awful that some group should come along and say we don't want you it's so horrible and the worst thing is they're kind of getting government funding in the uk as well oh. and oh, they're, getting wow. a lot, they're getting a lot of unquestionable coverage as if they're, they're being brought onto tv programs as if they are the voice of the of the lgbtq plus community almost and and being taken credibly as as something but to me they're just a to me and many others they're a hate group they're you know if, if you're saying that there's no place for transgender people in our community then to me that's pretty transphobic <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and it should be said out loud i think myself and, I, and, and i'm hearing more and more people as they're talking uh, on programs now i don't know if you heard russell t davis who did the it's a sin tv program about um hiv aids in the 80s he's and doctor who and, and various other things he did a, an acceptance speech the other day and he spoke about this a lot more eloquently than i ever could um but it's 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 worrying actually because they're also trying to discredit this group are trying to discredit stonewall who are the big uh, like lgbtq rights group that's that's been around for years and years and they're starting to try to discredit them and they're they're getting away with it to a certain extent people are listening to them and, and that kind of thing worries me. And it's something that I go back to in crime and disorder. Um, coincidentally, I mean, I, I just, I wrote this before all of this was happening, but there's, mm. there's a big sub thread in crime and disorder that these people that were around, these politicians that were around in the eighties, the ones that, the ones that brought in the horrible rules, like this thing called section 28, which we had, which meant that you couldn't promote homosexuality in schools. It meant you couldn't, 
talk about being gay in schools. All these people that were around that said horrible things in the 80s about AIDS and HIV and, and stuff, they're all still around, but they're, they might not be MPs in Parliament, but they might be in local government or they might be in, in you know, writing columns in newspapers. And they're just itching to, to, to roll things back. And so, so there's a big sub-thread in there about these people are still around. And mm-hmm. out. of course, I kind of, maybe, maybe the characters in the book don't deal with it in the correct way. <laughs> but, but it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a thread there that I, that I want to put, put into the books. So. No, that's, yeah, sorry, go ahead. That's perfect. I, I'm looking forward to reading the rest of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a shame. I haven't heard about the, the LGB movement was it called it's yeah. just a complete alliance they're called it's, alliance, it's worth yeah. looking them up because i think this is something that we're going to start seeing all over the place um there's, there's going to be a pushback we've we've come so far in the last few years and i think we almost take it for granted that the, there were a lot of people that were anti all these rights that we've been given and they're still mm-hmm. around you know they're still around and they, they haven't even though they've you know they haven't given up if they get an opportunity to roll these things back they will and I think that's that's kind of the message that I that I want to kind of put out in the book um, to a certain extent. Yeah. That, that mean, whole idea is just a complete opposite of what the I think the entire community represents. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's divide and conquer. It's it's a classic yeah. divide and conquer move. It's like you take the tea out, and and a lot of people, you know, the people. It's not it's people outside of our community that they're winning the minds of because they're. You know, they, they're, rep, they're presenting things in certain ways. A lot of people outside of our community don't really understand trans issues. So you get this organization that comes along and says, hey, you know what, you know, LGBT people didn't want the trans people in the first place is the kind of thing they're saying. It's like, why, why, are, they, why are they involved in all of this? It's got nothing to do with being gay. Or any, you know, they're, they're presenting all these arguments to people that are just confusing and they're trying to muddy the waters. And, and you know, if they, if they succeed, what will be next? The LG, LG alliance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that'll be the next thing, and then the the G alliance. You know, it, it wants they just want to divide and conquer, basically. So I think it's disgusting. <laughs> Something yeah. I'm really, really passionate and annoyed about. <laughs> so no, it's very understandable. I, I'm getting passionate and annoyed about it as as we talk now. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. definitely. <laughs> I mean, we're unfortunately seeing some of that in the U.S. too right now. There's a big to do about um, over at Netflix. Mm. Um, Basically, Netflix aired a, a special from the comedian Dave Chappelle, who said some things during the course of it. Like he he said, "I'm Team Turf," um, which stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. Um, basically, some some transphobic stuff, which is not new from him, um, mm-hmm. but it, it was pretty blunt in this. And there's been some backlash. And Netflix, rather than you know, uh, they they certainly don't want to take it down. Um, they've broken with one of the executive producers of one of their other successful shows has broken ties with Netflix over it. Uh, and instead they tried to hold up. They were like, no, we're obviously fine, uh, with LGBTQ people. We, we air Hannah Gadsby's special as, as well. Um, and of course Hannah Gadsby then got on Twitter and said, you know, go fuck yourself. This is not. So so one thing, have, have you watched, have you watched the stand up yet? Which no. the 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 Dave Chappelle's stand up. I haven't. No. Okay. So if you haven't watched it, I would recommend watching it okay. simply because um, he takes a long walk. I mean, it's it's an hour and a half stand up special. Um, he takes a long walk of getting people pretty riled up, 
However, in the last like seven minutes, he closes it out and it's not the trash hate garbage that that it's being touted as it, it true okay. like it it gets it's getting people talking and i recommend if you haven't seen it just go watch it okay i mean what i have seen is is that the conversation about it has opened the door um for some other people to say and mean some really hateful things oh yeah. that's the thing <laughs> very true very true but again mm. please before you crucify this man just go watch his stand-up <laughs> okay i think that's a good point actually because sometimes sometimes there's stuff where people are maybe people haven't watched things and maybe someone is saying something and maybe later on i don't know maybe he rolls back on it or maybe he uses it, it. maybe he's yeah. having a go at transgender not transgender transphobic people in the end i don't know i mean so. he yeah yeah just just go watch it and form okay. your own opinions um but uh but but that really does bring us to the point of I'm, I'm still glad it was brought up just because it brings us to the point of like how important um, media and art and expression and just talking about these subjects like can be a huge, um, you know, it obviously affects so many people. So the way you talk about it, um, you know, it shouldn't be laced with all that that garbage. And if it is, I mean, I, I don't know, like it just more exposure, more, more exposure, more talking, talk, talk, talk. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, I, I just think Netflix is such a wide thing that like people down here in the South that like we got don't tread on me and um, rebel flags everywhere and Trump signs. I mean, like, it is worrisome that maybe they would just hear the negative connotations out of that without staying and without thinking. But are you ever going to reach those people? Like, mm-hmm. like it depends. I think is it how the media are reporting things? You know, right? As well? Are they reporting things to stir up the bad feeling as well? I think there's a, there's a lot of that. We we get a lot of that with this LGB alliance as well. It's like you know, it's like pitting people against each other. You know, mm-hmm. when the media are reporting things, it's almost like trying to whip up these kind of horrible feelings and, and resentment and stuff like that. And it's, I think the media play a huge part in this. Um, definitely. Yeah, when you give that hate a voice, it's only going to get bigger. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, we need to talk about these things as, as well. I wouldn't want yeah. people to shut down debate and, and, and conversation. And we had a huge thing in, in Ireland a few years ago when we had the marriage referendum, with, you know, the gay marriage referendum in the country. We had a referendum to decide, you know, whether whether um, to have same-sex marriage. And actually, there were some pretty awful voices in that. But then there were people saying that these people shouldn't be allowed on television to debate and stuff. And I had mixed feelings about it because a lot of them... They come out with some of this horrible stuff and they sent people to, towards, you know, people that before wouldn't have even thought about supporting same-sex marriage. They sent, they, they converted more people to vote yes in that referendum than they did to vote no. So I think it's important to shine a light on those and debate them. You know, as long as you can debate people and show that their opinions are completely wrong, you're better off having people on television to debate them than to just report on it and let people complain about it on Twitter and talk about it on Twitter. Because at least you have the opportunity of, of, of um, 
of changing other people's minds and, and showing them up for what they are. And most of these people, you know, they 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 come on with the, these arguments which usually save the children. You know, well, you know what's going to happen to the children kind of argument. <laughs> but actually, when you start talking to them and debating them, you show them up so quickly as long as you stay calm and don't get too emotional. And, and we had problems here where people were just just getting too emotional about the about the topic and and then thus letting the bigots win the argument. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's my problem. I get so emotional and then like words are just lost. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to go up against bigotry. It's really, really difficult because they know what they're doing. They're trolls a lot of the time and they, they know what buttons to press to get you flustered and to kind of win arguments, not win arguments, but not let you get your point. Across. The whole point is them trying to not let you get your good points across mm-hmm. and, and muddying the waters because they know they don't really have arguments. They don't really have valid arguments. Hate, really. yeah. I know we've covered a pretty big topic, I think, just now. So. <laughs> well, we'll get into a bit of a, a bit of a smaller topic. Uh, just on comics again, do any other creators in the industry give you any inspiration? Yeah, I would say definitely. Growing up and reading the kind of the people that were that were writing stuff in 2008 when I was growing up, it's kind of like a um, slightly anarchic. Um, anti-authority to a certain extent um, kind of thing that you would get in 2000 AD and just that that kind of silliness coupled with seriousness as well. It's, it's something that I'm trying to do in my books is is have quite a lot of kind of madcap silly stuff but like a nice serious message underneath. Um, sometimes it's overt and sometimes it's more kind of subtle, I hope. <laughs> That's what I'm aiming for. But as I say, I'm so new, it's all it's a learning experience. So people like John Wagner, who would be the writer of co-creator of Judge Dredd, and Pat Mills, who would be, have been the original writer, of, sorry, the original editor of 2018. People like that. Uh, a lot of the people that you'd probably see in American comics that would be from the kind of, from the UK tend to be people that have come from 2018. And I think I tend to gravitate to a lot of that. It's not, sometimes it's not even deliberate. I'll pick something up and then I'll be, oh, that person wrote 2080 years ago. That seems to be the kind of stuff that inspires me. So. Uh, a big question in the comic world, I think, for everyone. Are you a fan of Grant Morrison? Um, I have mixed feelings because I had read Zenith, which they wrote in the 80s, and it was part of 2080. It was really good. It was one of the best things that 2080 ever published. And then... I didn't read much other Grant Morrison stuff since then, to be honest, but I did try to um, read some of the Batman stuff that they did a few years ago, and I found it incomprehensible, and I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely yeah. hated it. I think it was the death of the death of Batman or the death of Bruce Wayne or something. And I, I just couldn't I really <laughs> like it at all. It was very was confusing. Jumping on point. I've been trying to find a jumping on point for Batman again because I read it in the 90s and I haven't read it since. I'm always trying to find a jumping on point every so often and I just mm-hmm. always have found it quite difficult to get into. <laughs> and reading Grant stuff, it didn't help. Yeah, uh, I, I can of... 100% agree with you. That was my yeah. jumping on point for that era of Batman as well and I was completely lost. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I'm, I, I guess if I'd understood more of it and I'd read it, um, I think it's important to have jumping on points for people. Mm-hmm. Um, really really important and a lot of the runs that i see of, of things don't seem to have proper jumping on points and i actually decided i started reading uh, batman from the new 52 mm-hmm. about two weeks ago so it's okay. um, 
Scott Snyder, beginning of Scott Snyder's run and the uh, Court of Owls. It's the first time I've read Batman in years, like yeah. properly. And I love it. I think it's brilliant. It's a fantastic yeah, jumping on point. It doesn't assume too much backstory and introduces kind of the, the cast and the, the new Bat family quite well and slowly. And I'm really enjoying it. So. And in the DC Comics fandom, that is arguably the pinnacle of Batman comics. Okay. It has been for years. That is a great jumping on point. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in terms of weekly comics, what's on your pull list, if any? Not a lot, to be honest. I don't read a huge amount of comics. I, I tend to find something I like and then follow it. Um, 2008 is a must. I, I've read that since I was five. <laughs> so that's yeah. quite a long time. <laughs> many, many years. I read that every week. Um, I love the anthology format of it. And I love the fact that every few weeks, new stories and stuff. I feel like I get my comics here from 2080 and it's spin-off Judge Dredd magazine. So I'm not really reading anything else at the moment. I tend to dip back into things. So um, so there's very little I'm reading at the moment, to be honest. Okay. I'm going to start getting Batman 89 and Superman 78. They look really interesting. So oh, they are yeah. definitely on my list of things to read. Um, the House on the Lake is something that I'm planning on picking mm-hmm. up very soon. Um, there's something, what's it called? Something Taking Our Children or... Yes, um, the, some, something killing our children i think that's called. Yeah. yeah so I, as i say i'm not reading very much at the moment but i'm going i'm planning on kind of reading a lot more um very soon all fantastic books i, I must say mm. you're gonna have a great time with those now from your own writer's opinion what do you think we can learn from the fanny galactic fanny galactic series um what can you learn well I think a good bit about kind of rights movement. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot in there, and also not not just about about kind of LGBT rights, but you know the, the difference of opinions in LGBT rights as well. It's something that comes up in crime and disorder um, to do with you know not everyone's on the same page with them, and not everyone has the same opinion about how things have gone. And that that's something I, I want to send across. There's also the the stuff about um, kind of. I'm, I'm trying to cover stuff to do with kind of slightly older characters as well at the moment and kind of the experiences that they've had because I think that's something that's that can be forgotten sometimes. Um, a lot of the a lot of the stuff you see in media now is is younger people, uh, which is great. You know, there's there's much better representation across all media at the moment. It's so fantastic to see. But I want to kind of look at some of the people that maybe didn't have that when they were growing up and how that has affected them. So there's a big thread in Fanny Galactic about um, people that grew up in the 80s and what growing up in a homophobic state or, you know, like Britain for me would have been a homophobic state with all its anti, anti LGBTQ plus rules. Um, and, but it's not just about growing up then. It's also about how stuff affects people to this day. So, you know, we all have our, um, hangups about things that have happened and, and, you know, and things that have affected us and, you know, that this kind of stuff that affects you when you're a kid stays with you all your life. And it's that kind of stuff I want to cover. But I also just want it to be fun as well. It's that mix of, I want people to read it and go, oh my God, that was, you know, they really enjoyed reading it, but I want them to get some kind of message from it as well. Mm -hmm. I think that was something that really came across in the first book. Um, You know, we talked about there's, I mean, our history as a, as a community is really sad (laughs) sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, but to be able to cover that and to talk about it and still leave the experience, you're just, I mean, just having a blast, Thanks. you know, reading yeah. about these time traveling 
world's conquering drag queen. <laughs> yeah, I was. It was. It was something I wish I had put more of in the first book. In the original draft of it, there's a scene where like Fanny Galactic and Sybil kind of confront each other, and it's revealed that um, that they've obviously had some falling out with a with, with somebody from years ago that, that succumbed to HIV AIDS, mm-hmm. and it's quite a. I, to me, I wanted to make it quite a powerful moment that you just don't see that coming, and then then it's there, and then you you know you start to get some kind of feel why Sybil Sybil's not just this pantomime character that's mm-hmm. kind of you know all arch eyebrows and, and and drinking champagne. There's a reason she's like this, you know, and that's that's part of it. And again, you see a lot more of that in the second book. Um, there was a lot more of it in the first one. That scene went on for a lot longer, um, but. I decided to kind of cut it back and introduce it a little bit more slowly. As you get to the second, the, the, by the time it comes to the final book, it's I know exactly how it ends. It's, <laughs> it's I, I, I knew roughly how it was going to end, and then I came up with the final scene in my head a couple of months ago. And it's it's I'm hoping that I'm hoping that I'm going to make people cry with it. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, Sorry. I'm not saying it's a sad ending. I'm just saying that I, it's, I, it's I think it's going to be quite a moving ending to the whole saga. So. Okay, it's good to know. Now, Looking forward to it. Yeah. A Crime and Disorder. So that was recently passed on Kickstarter. You hit your goal seemingly just in the nick of time. Mm. A couple of weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yay. So that now that that's hit its mark and you're releasing in November, if I'm not mistaken? That's right, yes. It's basically, I've sent it to print. I'm, the print. The printer just came back with the proof, or he's going to send me a printed proof in the next few days, and then hopefully it will go off to the printers. I can start sending it out to people that back the book. My goal was to try to get it out to people that back the book before Thought Bubble, the convention, because I want to exhibit it at Thought Bubble, and I don't want people that are backed it to feel like they've, they've got it after the people that are at Thought Bubble. So my intention is to, um, worst case scenario, is to send that out to everybody that's backed it in the UK and Ireland first, just because mm-hmm. more likely that they might be at Thought Bubble and then send it out to everybody else in the first few weeks of November, um, maybe sooner. Then after that, it'll be generally available after the 14th of November to everybody. So. And for people generally available, where are they able, where are they able to get a copy? Um, at the moment, I have a page on Gumroad, uh, which is It's Hey Dorothy. I can send you the link for that. It's not available on there at the moment. I haven't put it up. <laughs> so it probably will be available. Keep, I'd say keep watching my Twitter um, account, which is I am Chris Files, F-I-L-D-E-S, and you'll, I'll definitely be releasing details of how to get that um, as soon as it's commonly available. Okay, perfect. That sounds really good. Now, before we close out, is there any other questions we have? Um, I have one more, and you don't have to answer. Uh, but do we find out or do we see Dumpster Baby grown up? You, yes. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm not going to yeah. say when. I'm not going to say when. There is something. Oh, you, yeah. Um, you, you probably saw the, the, I don't know if you've read the first few pages of the new one and you kind mm-hmm. of see. Um, I'm not sure if you, I'm not sure if you worked out from the first one who that is. We have not. not yet. <laughs> oh, okay. A little mystery there now. I thought okay. it was really okay. 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 Not well, as obvious say... as, as you thought. <laughs> <laughs> the last four pages of the first book. No, we have to go back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Oh, that's and exciting. That, and then that will that will help with the new book as well a little bit because. But yeah, yeah, that is going in a in a big direction for Twenty Thousand Weeks Under the Sea. That is that's a, a major plot point of that book. So that's all I'm saying. Okay. That's good to hear. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a bit of a strange one, but you'll you'll see. <laughs> so. <laughs> all right. Well. Chris, I just want to thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you very much. Yeah. We've had a blast reading the book. I hope everybody out there does as well. In my opinion, it deserves a spot on anyone's bookshelf. Oh, thank you. For, oh, wow. That's a, that's a fantastic endorsement. Well, big fans. We were nervous yeah. to talk to you today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Because you know what? Because it's my first book and I look back at it now and I'm kind of, I can see all the things that I do differently. So it's kind of to me. I'm kind of like that. That means a lot if people are reading it and they're, they're you know, they're, they're enjoying it. That really does mean a lot because it is my first book. So yeah, it well, it's an me... international success. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Appreciate that. All right, and that is our show. Remember, you can help support our own show by signing up for our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Not a Robot Podcast, for just a dollar a month. And you can get your name shouted out on a podcast of your choice, access to all of our material, and more. As always, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Be good to each other. Love yourself. And don't be a robot. Bye.